Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst. I'm Joseph Fidel. And I'm Tom Thiessen. And we're going to be talking about the Occupy Wall Street movement. And it's actually gone a lot further than Wall Street. We even have it right here in Durango. We have Occupy Durango. I know Denver has a big Occupy movement. And it's begun to pop up all across the country. It's something that's big and it's in the news. And there are real issues that people are interested in. And so we're going to talk about it and kind of a Christian perspective on some of those big issues. So it's exciting being here in the studio with Joseph and Tom. Joseph, the audience knows you. You've been on several shows, a couple recently. And Tom graduated from here. When did you graduate? Uh, 2005, I graduated. So 2005, and then went on to seminary and got a degree from there, and he's now pastoring a little church. Before we get started, Tom, and we'll talk a little bit more about this before we close it out, tell us a little bit about your church. Yeah, Gospel Church, Durango, we're called. We're a new church plant in Durango, and um, our heart is just to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, and to apply that to our lives and apply it to everything. The gospel is good news uh, about Jesus, and, and so that's good news to us, and we want to share that with the city and just love people and serve God. So we meet up on campus on Sunday mornings at 1030. And yeah, we're excited. God's been bringing lots of people. There's a lot of excitement and it's been a good thing. As you talk about good news and sharing that with the world that desperately needs some good news, that's exactly what we're talking about today. The Occupy Wall Street and Occupy Denver and Occupy Durango demonstrators are recognizing real problems and they have noble aspirations. They're recognizing things like unemployment and poverty and a lot of these different issues, corporate greed and things like that, and realize that that is a big problem. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of hope given some of these societal situations. So as you talk about sharing the good news with this world... Not in full support or fully against the Occupy Wall Street movement, but um, what we what we do want to do is stand in solidarity with a part of what they're saying, and that is, I think they're recognizing some real problems in the world. They're recognizing greed, and that greed that gets institutionalized socially, that's something that is big on God's heart and that is big on the heart of the church. That's a serious issue, greed, and especially corporate greed. So we want to stand with them and say, this is a real problem, and at the same time, we might want to speak into that a little bit of a different direction to go in terms of finding the good news, the solution to that problem. As things stand today, the unemployment rate is above 9%, somewhere near 10%. And it's actually even higher when you consider those that are underemployed and don't have adequate employment. I have a lot of friends that are in that boat. That is another 10% of the population. So underemployment and unemployment combined are close to 20%. That's nearly one in five Americans that need work can't find sufficient work to pay their bills and to make ends meet. That's a big problem, and it's something that understandably people would have a lot of frustration over. And that's just part of the problem. That's by no means all of it. If you're listening today and you're jobless or unemployed or underemployed and you're wondering how you're going to make ends meet and you're wondering how you're going to pay your bills and you're wondering how you're going to put food on your table for your family or for yourself, I want to encourage you today that God desires to walk through this with you. And I would encourage you to seek him, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Come to him with those frustrations and seek him. He desires to walk through that with you and to provide for your needs. So getting started today, those are bad statistics. 10 to 20% unemployment and underemployment. It seems like people's hope is gone. I know during the Great Depression there were some serious issues, but in a lot of ways we have a very similar situation now. 
And it's coming to a boiling point, I think, that the Occupy movement is evidence of that, that people are crying out for a solution. They're realizing this isn't just going away on its own. We have to do something. We have to take some kind of steps. We have to change the situation that we're in. We need something outside of ourselves to get us out of this mess. It's coming to a point where people are realizing the desperation of the situation that we're in. Yeah. And the obvious outlet would be against those who seem to be making a lot of money in this environment, right? <laughs> Wall Street would be the obvious target if a large percentage of the population is financially insecure and looking for answers. It makes sense that they'd vent their frustration against those that are financially secure and not in that same boat. So there's a lot of momentum as far as the Occupy movement goes, and those frustrations are real. Again, those aspirations, I think, are noble. And as we discuss this whole issue, I wanted to first talk a little bit about the differences between capitalism, socialism, and communism. Those are all terms that get thrown around when we discuss this issue, and I think it's good to have kind of like a baseline understanding of what those are. Capitalism is basically the concept that people should have personal freedom to buy, sell, own, and do business without excessive government intervention, which is, to some extent, what we have in this country. It's predominantly a capitalistic society where people can do business and make money and employ people however they desire and however they think it will benefit them most. In a socialist society, there is societal control and ownership of businesses, jobs, and the economy. So it's not that people have personal freedom to own those things, but rather the society as a whole owns those economic enterprises and administers the benefits equally among all. At least that's the concept or the idea, right? Right. And then in communism, it goes to the next level. Instead of just having this commonly owned economy, you actually have government control of personal freedom and enforcement of an economically and politically classless quote-unquote equal society, there's really no such thing as equality when it gets down to it, because even if people have the same resources, obviously there's still going to be differences in other areas. Instead, as a believer, we can realize that all of us are created equal in God's sight with different talents and giftings and abilities. That's Those right, and that, and that difference isn't necessarily bad. In the person of God himself, there's difference, there's unity, and distinction. In the triune God, there's three and there's one. So we don't need to flatten everything out. As Christians, we believe that diversity can be a good thing. It's a beautiful thing, as well as unity, that we hold those things together as both good. That it's not necessary to flatten everything out and try to make everything completely uniform. I grew up on and off in the United States my first 18 years of life. And all of my teenage years, however, were lived in Romania. My family moved there shortly after communism fell. So it was not a communist dictatorship. But interestingly, as soon as the communist dictatorship fell and Ceausescu, the dictator, was assassinated, his own government basically picked up the pieces and became an elected communist government governing the country afterwards. So there was a political change of sorts, but it was more a socialist country, except officially elected rather than forcing itself on the people. Now they have a very democratic president, and there are a lot of reforms that have begun to take place. But I saw the effects of communism over 40 years, and I don't want to just get into disparaging political issues on this show, but I think it would be important to mention that after 40 years of communism, I've never seen poverty like I saw it there. And I spent, again, a lot of my life outside the United States before living in Romania. So I had a lot to compare it with. And the poverty was excessive, and people could not put food on the table. It was extremely poor. 
I think what happens is when the government tries to get too involved in the economic side of society, you can get to a situation where there is extreme poverty. And I guess what I mean to say with this is the government does not have all the answers. They cannot fix all these problems. And I think you'll see this theme emerging today, whether it's capitalism, socialism, or communism, the government alone cannot meet all of its people's needs, and it does not have all the answers. And we believe the ultimate answers come only in Jesus. And that's one of the big things that I've been thinking about as I've been considering the Occupy Wall Street movement and listening to their concerns and then their solutions. The thing that keeps striking me is that greed seems to be the central problem, specifically corporate greed that they're focusing on. And what seems clear to me is that the problem of greed can't be solved by law. Nate has already talked about his experience with seeing how communism works, where you try to overcome greed by a law. It doesn't actually work. Greed is something that's deep in the human heart and that can't be overcome merely by making a law about it. And so what we tend to see even sometimes within the Wall Street movement where it's against greed, yet sometimes you can see greed fueling at a kind of individual greed that, hey, those people have a big pile of money and I have a really small and dwindling pile of money. I would need to get my hands on some of that money. So however I can do that, whatever kind of force I can apply in order to get those people's money and get it for myself. So they want to make a law. We want to make a law to try to force that kind of generosity. But the Bible teaches that law will never save the world. The, the problems with the world can't be solved through law, but they'll be solved through good news. The good news, we believe, is that Jesus, the Bible says, though he was rich, yet he became poor for our sakes, so that in him we might become rich. So Jesus gave up not just money or gold or something, but Jesus gave up everything and came down into earth and, and took on our problems himself so that he could then lift us out of the problems. He came not to be served, not to say, you have and I want, give me something, but as a servant to others. So he viewed himself as a servant and not to be served. So in doing that, he brought the good news. That is, there is hope for this world. That is, the king of all has come down into our mess to save us, not simply by making a law, but by entering into our mess and saving us and delivering us out of it. And so then he's created a people, those who respond to that, who trust in him and who are transformed from the inside, then he gives a new heart, a generous heart, and he calls us to live as he lived, as servants of one another. And that's what, in the church, we try to do, and we do it imperfectly. The church doesn't always do everything right, but that's what we're striving to do, and that's what God is doing in the church, is creating a people of servants. And so we see this as the ultimate solution, where Jesus has come into the world, he's given himself for us, he forgives us for our sins, he cleanses us, he gives us a new heart, and is remade making the world after generosity so that people's hearts want to give and serve others rather than take and use even business and large structures for themselves. Greed really is the core issue. And growing up in a country that was a socialist slash former communist and still somewhat communist country, greed there too was the downfall of communism. Because even in trying to mandate and legislate equality from an economic standpoint, they never dealt with the issue of greed. Because even if you mandate those things, the human heart is still greedy. And when we mandate that everybody shares resources equally, that nobody gets any more than the other guy, what ends up happening is nobody wants to work any more than the other guy. And you end up having a drastic reduction of GDP and of productivity and your entire economy actually can collapse on itself because nobody wants to do the work because nobody's getting rewarded for the extra work that they'd like to do. 
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 and 93.9 FM here in Durango. You can also listen at kdur.org online. We're talking about the Occupy Wall Street movement. We're talking about capitalism, socialism, communism. I'm here in the studio with Joseph Fidel, who you all know, and Tom Thiessen, a pastor here in town. It's great having you guys on the show with us, and it's definitely a fun subject. We realize that greed is a problem in the human heart and that capitalism, socialism, and communism all kind of hit against humanity's greed and come up short of any true answers. And again, like we stated before, and we'll state it again, and we'll probably state it again still, we really believe that Jesus is the answer to humanity's greed. That's right. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is our hope. He's the one who can transform us into a generous and loving people. I mean, the loving society, the good working societies where everyone loves one another and they're pouring themselves out for others and they're serving others. I think the way out of our problem is for people to buckle down and to love others and to serve others and to work hard. We need to try to address corruption politically and in large situations, and that's something we want to be a part of and see how we can do that. At the same time, Jesus has to come and deliver us from our greed. We are in bondage to it. The Bible says we are in bondage to our sin. We love something, we give ourselves to something, and we can't get away from it. But Jesus comes to set us free from that. Jesus actually said that someone cannot have two masters, that they will either love the one and hate the other or vice versa. And he said that we cannot love and serve both God and money, referring to the reality that each one of us is greedy at our core until God gets a hold of our lives. And whether you're poor, out of work, and occupying Wall Street, or a CEO making many, many figures, there is a greed issue in each of our hearts. Mm -hmm. And that issue goes back even further to something even more fundamental and foundational than greed. And I think that's selfishness. And selfishness is pretty much what the Bible defines as sin. It's going my way versus going God's way. And that is something that is so characteristic of human nature that we and ourselves do not have the power to overcome it. It is genetically wired into us, this survival of the fittest, this desire to propagate my own self and my own desires and to accomplish my own ends. This selfishness really does rule the earth. And it's what Jesus himself came to die on the cross to pay for is man's selfishness and greed. Now, that selfishness is the opposite of what Jesus said were the first and second commandments. He said, first of all, we need to love God more than anything else with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then he said, second of all, we need to love our neighbor as ourself. If each of us was truly loving our neighbor as ourself, there would be no need for Occupy Wall Street because we would be generously meeting each other's needs out of the correct motivation of love. And that is God's desire is that we would live in that kind of society where motivated by love, we actually served rather than were selfish. A good picture of this is the early church. If you look at the early church, the beginning of the book of Acts, chapter 2 is a great example. We see kind of the foremost example of a utopian society, so to say, of this socialist society that you've ever seen in all of history. And the reason that it worked in that situation is that people were motivated by love. And out of that love, everyone was sharing with each other whatever they needed, and no one had any needs 
because there was such love and generosity among these early believers. And that's where this critical issue of greed was removed, and it was replaced with love and generosity, and it really solved this situation. I think it's interesting, as you mentioned before, the thing that drives corporate greed on Wall Street is actually very consistent with the survival of the fittest mentality. The evolutionary atheistic worldview provides no other kind of morality than take what you can, then get what you can get, then use your strength to try to get ahead in life. What we desperately need is a worldview that undergirds and that can support the kind of love that Nate is talking about. And in reality, we need more than just a worldview. Because we're enslaved to our sin, we actually need someone to deliver us. We need new hearts. We need to be remade after the image of our Creator, after the image of Jesus. Not only do we need a new way of thinking, we need a new way of desiring, a new way of living, a new way of wanting. If you're looking at the current situation, the Occupy Wall Street movement, if you're mad about where our society is financially, and let's face it, no matter what end of the political spectrum you're on, you probably are frustrated with the economic reality of where we're at. And the whole world is kind of in as bad a situation or worse. If you realize those situations and you're frustrated and angry about those, I would encourage you to do some introspection and to look inward and realize the same greed that's in your heart, the same selfishness that's in your heart, is the same greed and selfishness that are in my heart and Tom's heart and Joseph's heart. They're the same greed and selfishness that are causing all these issues. And each one of us desperately needs to be rescued from our own greed and selfishness before it produces the same effects in our lives and relationships that we're seeing in our national economy. G.K. Chesterton was asked to define what was wrong with the world in an essay contest nearly 100 years ago. He famously responded by saying, I am, recognizing the reality that it's my own sin and my own greed that is responsible for so much of the chaos that I see around me. The Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money itself is evil. Right. Mm -hmm. We all know that a hundred dollar bill is not intrinsically bad. In fact, I wouldn't mind one right now. But anyway, we all know that the love of money or greed truly inspires all sorts of evil. And that is what the Bible tells us. The Bible also tells us God's heart for the poor and needy. And there have been many times where we as believers have met those needs. And there have also been far too many times where we've come up short meeting those needs. And the reality is that God has compassion for those that are poor and needy and tells us to have his compassion for those that are poor and needy over and over and over in Scripture. He has a huge heart for the poor, the needy, and the downtrodden. That's right. And he also has warnings to those who are corrupt and who institutionalize their greed and use it to oppress the poor. The Bible is full of that kind of thing, particularly in the Old Testament. God is speaking against systematic oppression of the poor, and that's something that's close to God's heart, and there are warnings for that kind of thing. And, you know, when we hear about the city of Sodom, which God judged as a foreshadowing of the great judgment that is to come when God will make all things right, we see that, and we often think of the sexual immorality that was going on there, but the Bible also addresses a really specific issue on God's judgment judgment on Sodom, and that had to do with the systematic oppression of the poor. This is really close to God's heart, but the good thing is God is moving to do something about this. He is on the move against oppression and against injustice, and he's solving this through his son Jesus, like we keep talking about. 
and then imperfectly, but also then through his church as he calls the church to be a people who are working against poverty and against injustice and for the good of the world. You know, like Nate says, if you're upset, if you're angry about these things, come to Jesus and come and join the church as we work for a solution against these kinds of things. Let me read to you a little bit out of the book of James, chapter 5, and just see if this resonates with some of the Occupy Wall Street mentality. James writes, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Here it's talking about those that have suffered because of the greed of those that have power and wealth. And it says that their cries have reached the Lord Almighty. And I want to encourage you that the same greed and selfishness that frustrates each one of us is not something that God misses. He has compassion for all those that have been unjustly suppressed. So no matter who you are, I would encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, come to him to find salvation from your own selfishness that the Bible says separates you from God, to find hope also, though, for your own economic reality, because God is our provider. And for those of you that do have a relationship with God, and even if you don't, I would encourage you to give out of true love and out of true generosity, to give whenever you see needs, to serve how you see fit and wherever you can, and to realize also that political engagement is a positive thing. Like Tom said, we're not anarchists at all. I know that I've voted in every election since I was 18, and I would encourage you to do the same. So find the candidate that best embraces and proposes your values and be involved in the political process as well. That kind of reminds me of what something you said earlier, Tom, was actually uh, how we have this worldview of survival of the fittest, you know, and it seems, well, if you can't walk to get yourself some food, then uh, you're not going to survive, you know. We see that in nature, and we see that in the world with the animals, and that's how evolution is told to progress itself. I also connect that a lot back to, as you were, uh, with the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement. Um, you know, we see these rich people who are doing the best they can, and if they can get as rich as they can, then that's good on them. And for those who can't, then, you know, that's weak on us. And that's the whole evolution, naturalism, survival of the fittest worldview. But the thing is, is that's corrupt and that's wrong. And just as you talked about, Tom, we do need a new worldview. But the thing is, is that's our natural default position. And we can't actually come out of that. We can't come to a new understanding on our own. The only way that we can do that is uh, through the help of Jesus Christ. As you said, he does promise to give us a new heart. He promises to help us change and become more like him, to become actually sons of his. The reason why we actually need this to be done is because all of us are greedy. I mean, it seems like we keep talking about greed. And personally, you know, as a starving college student, as the saying goes, you know, I'm recently married and I'm supporting my wife. I got one job and I'm not making a whole lot of money. But I see these rich people who are making way more money than I do. And my initial thought is, why can't I make that much money? I'm working as hard as I can. I'm going to school. I barely have time to see my wife. Why don't I make money? It's because I'm greedy. It's not because there's this whole injustice thing going on. I mean, if survival of the fittest is true, then why shouldn't I be proud of them, you know? 
So the thing is, is I have this greed in my heart and I'm not happy with where I'm at. And the Bible calls that sin. The Bible says that we want our own desires and we chase after it harder than we chase after God. And that separates us from God. But God loved us so much. He created us with a purpose. And that purpose was ultimately to know him. And so his remedy for that was to come in the form of a man as Jesus Christ and to die, to live the perfect life that we could never live and to die the death that we deserve to die in order that we might know him. So when we come to Jesus, we accept this grace, this free gift that we don't deserve so that we can know him. This grace isn't just a get out of jail free card, but Jesus came that we might have an abundant life. And it seems that's what everyone is looking for. We're looking for more. We're looking for this life that we don't have. Um, I need more money. I need more power. I need more friends. But when Jesus says, I came to give you an abundant life, that's not what he was talking about. We don't ever have a guarantee of happiness, but we do have a guarantee of joy. And that joy is knowing God, knowing the creator of the universe. But now saying that we don't have a guarantee of happiness doesn't mean that God doesn't care for us. He does care for us, and he wants us to live the best life that we can. In fact, when we are in hard situations, we'll never be alone. We know that we can rely on the grace of Jesus Christ and his strength to walk with us always. He says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And that's a promise that we could take to the bank. You know, this day is I don't have much to take to the bank, but I do know that I could take that. <laughs> But, you know, that's really hard, especially when we don't see him working. You know, there's days, weeks, months even, where you go without seeing the hand of God working in your life. And it's really easy to say, God, where are you? I don't see you. But like I said, he is our strength in hard times. Um, he's not a distant God. He's not some big dude with a beard up there working things from afar. But he actually came down and lived a life as a man, same as we. He went through every bit of temptation. He went through every hardship that we did. I mean, the Bible says he was tempted in every way that we have been, which is crazy to think about. And he came through clean. He came through perfect without sinning. And he gave that up so that we might know God. He gave up his righteousness so that we might become his righteousness. So basically, he can relate. So he doesn't promise us riches, but he does promise to take care of us. He says he knows every hair on our head. And just like the sparrow, you know, there's not one sparrow who falls to the ground without God knowing about it. And the sparrows don't worry about what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep. God takes care of them. So how much more is he going to take care of us? If you're out there and, and you're struggling and you're not sure where you're going and you're not sure what you're going to eat, you know, I tell you, God will take care of you. Um, me and my wife, we've seen this big. We weren't sure where we were going to get our rent money from this month. And uh, we prayed and we relied it to God and said, God, what are you going to do for us? You know, I mean, there's no way we're going to get this done. So either you're going to come through or we're going to be on the streets. You know, we got a car, I guess. At least we could sleep in that. In reality, we have some friends we could probably stay with. So we prayed and we prayed and uh, God comes through. And in order to show how big he is, not only did he provide us with one month of rent, but God said, that's nothing for me. And he provided us with actually two months rent, which is crazy. You know, I mean, to see God come through in that way, he doesn't promise that all the time. But uh, he will take care of you no matter what. Wherever we are, he'll be there walking alongside us to give us strength. That's right, and he uses his people to do that as well. So as you're a Christian, you're a part of a church, the church is called to care for one another. Like Nate was talking about earlier in Acts, that there was not a needy person among them. Being a part of the church, we're a new humanity. We're caring for one another, making sure that there aren't needy people among us. That's part of what God has called us to do. Well, Tom, on that note of churches, I know that you're a pastor here in town starting a new church, and we always like to encourage people to check out a different church each week here on the show. And so tell us a little bit about your church and where people could join you this week. 
Yeah, great. We're Gospel Church Durango, as I said before. We are about the glory of the Father and the gospel of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to be centered on God and what he's doing in history and then how that touches down on us and transforms us. So we're a community of people striving to live up into all that that means. So we'd love to have you come and join us. Come check it out. Everybody is welcome at our church. We meet up on campus. It's called the McPherson Chapel. It's just overlooks the edge of the hill. You can also go to our website and there's a map there that has it located for you. So that's www.gospelchurchdurango.com. So we have a Bible study at 9.30 in the morning on Sunday, and then at 10.30 we gather to worship. That's where we sing, and we uh, pray, and we read the Bible, and we hear the Bible taught and preached. We'd love to have you come join us, worship with us, and um, we'd love to meet you. So come on in if you show up, and that's your first time. Be sure to come and introduce yourself to us. Well, you can also join us at Connect this Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. in the Student Life Center at Room 119. And if you're interested in the issue of the Occupy Wall Street movement, also join us Monday at 7 p.m. at the Student Life Center, also in Room 119, where Tom is going to be joining us to actually host a discussion on Occupy Wall Street. Well, it's been great having you today. I hope that the show is encouraging. Again, our greatest hope is to point you to the one person that has all the answers, Jesus Christ. An open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you'll tune in next week. Goodbye.